This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. Aaron Watkins cut his business teeth with big deal positions with giants like Walmart, Facebook, and Pinterest. It might not seem like a next obvious and logical step to leave a high rung of the corporate ladder to run a beachwear brand inspired by and created for the most vibrant, fun, and fearless women all over the world. But for Aaron, professional decisions haven't always been about the biggest paycheck. They've been about learning and gaining experience and then asking, then what? What do you do with what you've learned? The brand, called Cupshe, has built an incredible community of women who move forward in confidence, comfort, and style. The company's high-caliber team has remained committed to staying true to their roots. In their mission to empower women everywhere to look and feel their best in affordable swimwear. Coming up, you'll hear the push to build a brand with that mission, Aaron's unexpected journey, and why he jumped from that corporate ladder, and the drive to always ask what can be done with what we've learned so far. Aaron, so you worked at Walmart, right? And one of the big retailers and were Mm -hmm. in a pretty high position there. And from there, you became a founder of Unfinished and also are running a women's swimwear company. How did you decide this is what you wanted to do and make that transition? And I will say that a lot of it wasn't intentional, right? So when you think about if you start sort of like at the at the very end and just work backwards, like what does it take to be successful uh, as an e-commerce brand? Um, you need marketing, you need media, and you need merchandising skills. Uh, and you need a lot more. You need some luck and some, some finance and HR and all of that stuff. But, you know, at the core of building an e-commerce brand that's going to at least, um, you know, take off a little bit, uh, those are, the, the I think, the, the three pillars that you need to focus on. Marketing, media, and merchandising. And so, um, you know, if you go back to the very beginning of my career, uh, I was uh, right after graduating from Florida A&M University, um, I went to go work for Target because I knew that I wanted to go work for a brand. Like I was, you know, very young at the time. I just knew that I wanted to go work for a brand that had a great brand name, but that will also teach me about uh, who the customer was and what they wanted, right? And so there's really no better way to do that than to really like just be a buyer, like buy stuff from from factories and put it in front of the customers and see if they like it. Uh, And if they don't, then you have to take big markdowns and you'll hear about it from your DMMs. But, um, you know, that taught me a lot about, uh, you know, merchandising strategy, right? So like, you know, understanding what your assortment is, understanding your inventory flow, understanding um, trends and forecasting. Uh, all of that was what I built uh, at Target and at uh, and at Macy's, actually, a you know, buyer for uh, young men's streetwear uh, at, at Macy's. Um, and then when I left uh, Macy's, I went to go to the University of North Carolina to uh, get my 
uh, my MBA. I'm from Chicago, so I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, uh, and I didn't go there for for undergrad, and I knew at some point I wanted to go to UNC, and so I uh, wound up going there for, for my master's degree, got my MBA in marketing, uh, and then went to Walmart because, you know, as you mentioned, like retail, it just felt comfortable for me, right? And so uh, I knew that as I transitioned from like learning mer- or understanding merchandising to trying to explore what marketing was, I wanted to at least have some level of comfort. And so re- the retail environment was was very familiar for me. Uh, so I went to um, to Walmart and worked in, in, in marketing there under some really, really, really talented people that were, you know, leaders at um, chief executives at, at uh, Frito-Lay. Uh, and so they came over to Walmart and they were just some of the brightest minds that I had ever been around and been exposed to. And so I was very fortunate to work with uh, folks like, you know, Stephen Quinn and Tony Rogers and Jamie Sahosky and these like just titans of the marketing world. And so learned a lot from them uh, there about, uh, you know, marketing strategy, customer strategy, um, and really just how to build and execute media marketing plans. Um, And so I spent some time in Bentonville, Arkansas, which... um, it was, surprisingly, it was not like, you know, I think, you know, coming from Chicago, you think about like Bentonville, Arkansas, like, eh, it's not a place that I want to like hang out a lot. Yeah. But uh, it was actually a really nice place. Um, that said, I did one year and then I left and um, I wound up going out to the Bay Area uh, to Walmart.com because um, there was opportunities for me to understand and explore e-commerce. And I, I, I had this feeling at the time that, that you know, um, you know, while brick and mortar was still huge, I saw this emerging trend uh, in e-commerce. And so when I wound up going out to, to um, walmart.com in the Bay, um, learned in a ton there. Um, everything from, again, digital customer strategy and how the same brand, Walmart and walmart.com, had two almost different customers. Uh, and so that was fascinating to me. I also learned product strategy, so how to bring a product to market, do user testing and all of that. Um, and so, you know, over the course of my career then, um, you know, I, again, built up um, merchandising strategy, marketing strategy. And then, you know, uh, one of my old bosses at uh, Walmart wound up going over to Facebook and uh, she, you know, approached me with an opportunity there. And I said, yeah, sure, let's, let's, let's try it out. Right. And so I went to Facebook and learned media. And so, like, how do you uh, bring people to the site from all of these digital platforms uh, and drive uh, revenue, right, for your, for your brand? And so took that experience and went to Pinterest and did the same thing. But, you know, now I in, in my toolkit, I had, you know, merchandising, I had marketing and I had media. Um, and, uh, you know, when I met um, Mike, who's the founder and CEO of Cupshe. Uh, he needed all of those things. And so we just employed all those things. I was like, wow, dude, I have all this, this knowledge that's just kind of been sitting here. Like, let me just use it. <laughs> and so I was, I was able to use all those things um, in one place and, you know, I'm absolutely enjoying it, having a ball um, at Cupshe. Cupshe, for what you guys built, is a global company. How did, how did you reach the global network? You know, I think um, it was always Mike's intention uh, to take the brand global. And, and I think it was because of the value proposition, which was um, how do you develop and bring high quality 
very high quality um, swimwear to the market at a really affordable price. Um, and not just like high quality from a, uh, you know, from like a, a fabric standpoint and a stitching standpoint, but also like very well designed um, products. So things that you would normally pay two or three times the price for. Um, and so that wasn't something, that value proposition wasn't something that was just unique to the U.S. We felt like that value proposition was something that people, that women all over the world needed. And so, um, you know, we started, of course, here in the U.S. because um, the, the market is, is very large here. But then we quickly started to, you know, go to um, other um, countries like the UK and like, um, you know, uh, Europe, all, all over Europe and then and to Australia. Uh, and we saw very similar response. And, um, you know, the what we've learned is that the the value proposition uh, is the same, but the way you communicate that value is very different, right? Because customers' shopping behavior is different. What they expect from brands is different. What they want to hear from brands is very different. Um, and so the things that we highlight within our value proposition uh, sometimes change country to country. But, um, you know, we, we knew that what we had to offer would resonate all across the world. So what were some of the challenges you were facing as you took the brand globally? And then what happened? Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the big examples two years ago, um, you know, we were just launching in Australia and, you know, we thought that simply turning on, you know, au.cupshe.com, we would see the, the immediate effects, the same things that we saw in the U.S. What we found was that customers were not... Um, we're not responding in the way that we initially thought, right? Like, I mean, we knew that there were some changes, like we would have to highlight like Boxing Day and like there were some seasonality changes, like, you know, when it's wintertime here, it's summertime there. We had all that covered and we had planned for that, but we didn't see the same response. And so um, my, me, Mike, and our uh, one of our vice presidents, we got on a plane uh, and we went to Australia, boots on the ground, really to talk to customers. The very first day, Larry, like, we got to a restaurant and, you know, we were just like talking with the, with the waitress and uh, she was saying that, and this was in Sydney, and she was saying, we go to the beach three times a day. And I thought she was exaggerating. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Like you guys live so close to the beach. And she was like, no, 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 we go to the beach three times a day. We go in the morning, we go at lunch, and then we go after work. I was like, there's no way that people will go to the beach three times a day. She said, go to the beach tomorrow at around five o'clock. And I was expecting maybe to see like a couple of people like I live here in Manhattan Beach and you know I go to the beach sometimes at like five o'clock in the morning and it's just me and like, you know, <laughs> dolphins. But like you go uh, to to beach in Sydney and there's tons of people there like already exercising on the beach. And I'm like, wow. And then we went back at lunch and, you know, we talked to some customers at lunch. He was like, oh, yeah, this is my second time here today. I'll be back, you know, uh, after work. And so what we realized is that our value proposition was was not necessarily uh, as transferable, right? So while we still wanted to give you high quality swimwear at affordable prices, in the U.S., we sometimes lead with the affordable prices. Um, in, the, in Australia, because they are in their swimsuits so many times during the day um, and salt water can be hard on the fabrics, we really needed to highlight the quality first, right? Because um, that's what's most important. And they wear swimwear sometimes like we wear, you know, denim, right? Like it's just a staple in their, in their, uh, in their wardrobe. 
And so, um, you know, we knew that if we could communicate the quality part, like, hey, like you don't have to just kind of keep cycling through these like this. This is going to last you. Um, and by the way, it has an affordable price. Um, we found that that was the way to go to market. So almost to flip it on its head. And so when we realized that um, in Australia, we knew that, you know, the, the places that in, the other places that we um, compete, uh, we had to kind of think about like who the customer was, what they wanted, and um, and really kind of take a customer first approach uh, at a very uh, local market level. And so far, so good. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And one thing that I like about Cupshe and the brand and just even looking at your website is you guys represent diverse women diverse sizes. Like it's, it's really, really rare to see a swimsuit or swimwear mm -hmm. company kind of do that. Who thought of this messaging for this and why was this the messaging that you wanted to give consumers? Yeah. I, so, you know, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, and I, I take pride in that, right? Like I want to see, um, you know, women represented in the way that they, you know, that they see themselves, right? And I think representation is important. I, I, I told the team, I said, you know, I want to make sure that we are a company that produces swimsuits for everybody and everybody not being one word, but two words. Right. So like everybody. And uh, I felt like that was really important because, you know, when I was growing up, um, you know, my little sister, when we would go to, you know, the like the toy store. Uh, it was not all the time, like depending on what neighborhood we were in, like we wouldn't find dolls that looked like her. I'm from Chicago, so I say dolls. I, I think the, the, pronunciation, the, the proper term is like dolls, right? So like dolls that, that look like my sister. Uh, and so the representation mattered, right? And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, when people shop our site, that they see themselves. And that's really, really, really uh, important to me. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, you know, going back to your beginning of your journey, um, when you met Mike and, you know, you decided to come on board, how was that decision for you? Uh, you know, it was very easy because, um, you know, Mike is uh, Mike has become uh, like a like a little brother to me. Right. No. And so yeah. he's he's like a really, really, really um, smart uh, person, ambitious, caring. And so uh, I think when you choose to join a company, um, you want to work with people who you could actually see as family. Because um, you spend the majority of your time uh, either working with them or working on problems with them. Um, and so you, you want people that, you know, no matter what the the climate or the environment is, you know that at the end of the day, that person has your best interest at heart. Um, I think that that's super important. Um, and so it didn't matter if we were selling, you know, swimsuits or, you know, HDMI cables or whatever it is like, that's a must for me. Um, I have to be in a, in a situation where uh, I believe in one, the mission and, and two, um, the intent of uh, the founders. Uh, and so Again, like Mike and I are super close. Uh, we're like family. You know, I was texting his mom uh, yeah. earlier today because it's uh, they're about to start Chinese New Year, uh, and so you know we we go there. She asks about you know we we, we talk all the time, and so um, you know it, it's just a it's a different type of relationship, and it's awesome. That's amazing. And ha have has there been a moment um, through your journey at Cupshe that you've had like hey, I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. 
Um, did I choose the right path? Has any of those moments? Yeah, definitely. Uh, several, uh, ne never, 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 <laughs> never short of them. Where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like there, there, I will say that there's never been a time where I, I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, there's certainly been times where, um, I thought it was hard and I was out of my, um, realm of expertise and, um, you know, but I'm, I'm a, a person who like, I, I won't quit. Right. So I, I learned this a long time ago, uh, pledge my fraternity. It is, it was the hardest, you know, uh, you know, few weeks of my life or mm -hmm. 16 weeks of my life, uh, until I, I actually just had a baby and that now I think has eclipsed <laughs> that, but, but, um, I think, uh, you know, so quitting is not an option, but there's there's definitely been times where, you know, uh, you, you grow up in a, in a um, from your career, uh, from my career anyway, I, you know, you grow up in these, they're very well structured organizations, right? And so like, you know, Walmart and Target and Pinterest and Macy's and, you know, like they are pretty much well-oiled machines. Certainly there's hiccups in, within them, but, um, you know, from an operational standpoint, like they're pretty smooth. Uh, and then you go to a company that uh, is, you know, stretched across two continents, two cultures, two languages, and two time zones. Uh, and, you know, we're growing this thing. It's a different type of learning, right? And so I, there's, there's times where I have to go from, you know, something I'm very comfortable with, which is like, you know, the, the, the three pillars, like like media, merchandising and marketing can talk about that all day. Uh, and then and even finance. But then I have to go and like pivot into like HR, supply chain and operations where, you know, yes, I've been exposed to those things, but in by no means an expert. Right. And so I think that this is where, um, you know, going to like schools like University of North Carolina or uh, Florida A&M, you can easily pick up the phone and call somebody uh, in your network and say, hey, I'm having this problem. How would you solve it? Um, you know, or listen to podcasts and, and hear from other, you know, great guests about like how they might have solved the problem. And that at least sparks some ideas and you can start to kind of go down that path. Um, and so I think that, you know, kind of being in those positions sort of puts you in a in a in a, in a position where you have to sort of like um, step outside of your comfort zone, um, ask for help. Um, and then, you know, you, you figure it out, right? Like in the, every time you implement it, you might not get it right, but at least you learned. Uh, and so the next time that the situation comes up, you're uh, that much more prepared. Yeah, I agree. It, or have there been any advisors um, that you think have been a very important part of the growth of the company? Um, I would, yes, for sure. Um, but I would say more importantly, um, personal advisors, uh, like mentors, um, for me that have, um, sort of demonstrated a way in like leadership. Um, so, you know, I, I can think of, uh, a few, uh, like I mentioned before, like, you know, Tony Rogers, um, he, uh, was the chief marketing officer at Walmart. Now is chief marketing officer at Sam's club. Um, just an incredible leader, one that, uh, you know, you could, he, you would just run through the wall for, and he was just, um, wicked smart, but very personal. Right. And so like, I knew that I wanted to embody that, um, Anton Vincent, who I uh, was the president of baking at General Mills, uh, just a phenomenal, um, person where he, he just modeled, how do you, how do you balance, um, having this really high, really important position 
with also being an incredible family man, like a great husband, a great father. You know, you look at his kids and they're all doing very well. Uh, and, you know, he continues to excel. And so like, I think like having people like that in my life has sort of like helped me uh, be a better leader for Cupshe. Um, you know, the, the things that I do at Cupshe are just a reflection of people that have uh, modeled the way for me uh, outside of Cupshe. Yeah. I think that that's super important what you said too, because balancing also is really hard to do, especially when you are a leader, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you have a lot of responsibilities, wearing a lot of hats, especially, right? And so how have you been able to do that? You know, if I'm, if I'm honest, I'm still learning, right? And, and now, now I'm learning, uh, I would call it like trial by fire, right? So like, you know, I, I have a team here in the US. Uh, and so I'm working US hours, uh, have a team in China working Chinese hours. And so really, that's like all day. Uh, and now I have a, a boss at home who's like two months old. Oh. And so she's, uh, you know, she's demanding, uh, she wants to be on zoom calls. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm still learning I'm still learning. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been a dad now for two months, uh, a, a human dad. I have uh, two dogs, but, uh, you know, yeah. I've been a, a human dad for two months. And um, I, I will say that, you know, innately, like, I think it's just instinct that's kicked in where, you know, I understand, like, what's what's more important. If she's crying, like, I am, you know, getting off this Zoom call, ending it early. Apologies, people. Like, I need to go, you know, handle this. But in terms of like the time balance, I don't know that I've ever figured that out. I don't actually know that I will, because at the same time that I have, uh, you know, Cupshe and, you know, and I'm a dad, I'm also uh, to learn other things. I also uh, consult. Right. And so for other companies. And so, you know, um, I, I run uh, a pretty big budget for a um, a brand that was recently purchased uh, by Nestle. And so. Um, you know, I, I do that and I'm also launching another brand called Oven Origin. And so like, I, I love to just like learn and try things and, and figure them out and, you know, see what works. Um, I think it's important to really gain experience in other industries, um, because so that you don't get tunnel vision. Um, so the balance thing, uh, I don't have a good answer for you, but, uh, maybe I'll call Anton cause he's figured it out. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. You've already have multiple things going on and you're, mm -hmm. you're starting new ventures as well. How do you get out of being in the business and working on your businesses? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I, I think the, the big thing is like hiring really great people. So, um, 
to date, we, you know, Cupshe in the U.S. was really just me for a very long time. And then we brought on, we hired a, a team, a very small team, and now we're growing that team. And we just hired a uh, an incredible brand manager and an incredible creative strategist, uh, an absolute rock star um, uh, product designer, a very senior designer. And so now a lot of the things that I used to be in the weeds about, like I can just kind of touch base once, twice a week. Uh, and then that frees up my time to um, to explore other things, right? And so there's still fires to be put out, you know, across the, the company, but uh, as any company, but uh, it allows me to, um, you know, kind of peek over the fence and see, you know, what's what else is going on in other industries that might be, you know, applicable to, to us. So now I can say, Ooh, have we thought about this or have we tried this? And I'm sure my team gets annoyed because like I'm sending them, you know, ads from like car commercials and things like that. Like, this is crazy. Like, look what they did. And they're like, Aaron, they're selling cars. This is not relevant to us. So, you know, but I think that there's something always to learn um, from other industries. And now I have the time uh, to, to, to look at those things uh, and also develop other things. So, um, you know, Along with those, um, I'm also very passionate about giving back. And so um, one of my good friends and mentors um, just launched a, a Black Venture Capitalist uh, Consortium. And now I sit on the board of that because it's really important for me to um, help uh, you know folks who are entrepreneurial that come from uh, backgrounds like mine. Um, to, you know, find a way. Right. And so um, super passionate about things like that. And I'll always make time for the things that matter. That's amazing. So can you speak a little bit more about your um, what you're doing for mentoring? You know, like when I was growing up, my mom and dad were um, were my mom was a teacher. All, all, almost everybody in my family was a teacher. Uh, and my dad was a banker. Um, and the path for me was very just like defined. Like you, you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you go back to school, you graduate, you get a better job. Right. And so um, that was it. Like that was success. And so, uh, I did that and, you know, I was like, huh, there, there's still something more like this, this is fun and everything, but you know, there's still something more. I had, you know, a, a desire to, to, to achieve something different. I won't say more, but different. Right. And so, um, because I had that, feeling I, I i started to think like i wonder if other people are sort of being pushed down this path and they don't understand that there's options out there right and so like you don't you can go and start your own company like when i went to go work for target i never thought that you know it never occurred to me that you know wow somebody actually had to have the idea to found target right like that you know it, i'll tell you when it hit me um happenstance the a, a guy who started at the same time as me um named eric uh we became good friends his last name was dayton and you know we were we became great friends for like months and then somebody pulled me aside like do you know who that is and i was like that's eric that's eric dayton but his like great grandfather like founded target right and so like i was like oh my god like this is crazy like somebody actually like this organization just didn't exist. God didn't say, let there be, you know, uh, light and the water and target. Like somebody actually had to, had to found it. And I was like, why couldn't that be me? Like, why can't I be that person? And so now when I go and I talk to um, kids, like just spoke to um, some, a group of kids at Delaware state um, for another one of my mentors and a great guy named Kevin, Wright. Um, 
you know, I, I tell them, like, learn everything you can. Like, go to school, get the job, make those mistakes that you're going to make because it's better to make them on somebody else's dime than, than your <laughs> own dime, right? And so learn. Uh, and then always, you may never you may never decide to take the entrepreneurship leap, and that's totally fine. But know that it's an option. Know that it's out there. Um, and, you know, that's the thing that I'm sort of like um, preaching every time I mentor somebody now. And that's amazing. And I, th- I think that what you said resonates with a lot of communities, too, because it's it's very true. Like we're taught go to school, you know, you mm-hmm. get a degree, you work a job and then you try to get another degree, like yeah. you said, <laughs> and then work a better job, get a better right. job. And, exactly. you know, in most homes and most communities, it's not discussed about being an entrepreneur or like starting your own business because it's too risky, right? Exactly. Um, so it's, they want to, everyone wants to go or, you know, most parents would like their kids to go in the traditional path. So yep. how, you being an entrepreneur and moving out of the workspace and um, working that nine to five job, even though it was probably wasn't nine to five, <laughs> um, did you feel like you were taking a risk at some point? Um, did you have any pushback from others? That, so this is a great question. Um, and when I when I left Walmart to go to Facebook, my mom thought I was crazy. And, you know, <laughs> she was like, why would you like Walmart has been around for like 50 plus years. Like Facebook just started, you know, are they making any money? Like this was like this was back in the day. Uh, yeah. This is not like Facebook now. Yeah. Where, you know, they're printing money. Uh, I was like, I can learn something, though, mama. Like I, I can learn. And I had built relationships uh, at Walmart such that I could go back if I needed to. Um, and then when I went to Facebook, um, you know, I, I did well there. And, um, you know, I had just gotten promoted and then I decided to go to Pinterest and I took a significant pay cut to go to Pinterest. And my mom was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing? Like, are you crazy? Like, you're leaving Facebook, which at that time now has started making a lot of money. And like you're going to Pinterest, which, you know, wasn't public at the time, like you was not making a lot of money and you're going to take a pay cut. Like, what are you doing? I was like, but mama, I can learn, you know, like there's more for me to, to, to learn. And so when I left Pinterest, like she was like, what are you doing? You're going to this (laughs) really small company. And so the, the entire time, you know, you'll, you'll have folks that will, um, question you, but always know that um, as long as you did a great job in the place that you're leaving, you'll always be able to go back, right? So like, if you think about the problem that, uh, you know, like maybe probably HR managers are trying to solve is they want to hire great people, right? There's, you know, no better, uh, you know, predictor of, uh, you know, hiring a great person is somebody who's already been in your company who's done great work in the past, right? And so if I said, hey, listen, I tried this entrepreneurship thing. It did not work out. Like I had faith that I could call my manager at Pinterest and be like, hey, listen, remember I said I was going to go do that thing? It didn't go the way I thought. Uh, you know, is there anything open? Uh, and I, I knew that I could go back. Like my boss at Facebook told me that I could go back when I was there. And so like I felt like even though I was take, taking a risk, I was like kind of jumping off a building. I had a safety net. Um, underneath there. So um, that gave me the confidence, I think. And I think when, when people think about entrepreneurship, they think that, you know, they're they're like jumping out of a plane without a parachute, right? And it, it's, 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 
it feels like that, <laughs> but it's not that, right? Like if you did a great job before, like you definitely will have a parachute and some sort of safety net. If you built a network uh, before, then you could always like call that network and, you know, say, you know, hey, listen, these are the things that I'm facing. Uh, do you have any consulting work for me to, to do on the side? Like, do you have something or can I, you know, are you guys hiring? Right. So, um, you know, always sort of think, think about it like that. Like, do you have a safety net uh, on the side? My other question for you is what actually, what do you think is the reason for Cupshe's success? I, I think the, the market is one that is prime. So like there, there's certain, there's certain things about like the swimwear market. There's, there's no like clear, like market leader, right? Like you could go to, you know, a hundred different people and say, you know, what's your favorite swimwear brand? You might get like 50 different answers, right? And so they, there's no like, oh, like athletic apparel, Lululemon, Arfleta, um, you know, automobiles, Tesla, Mercedes, um, like there's no uh, like market leader there. And so that what that does is it creates a fragmented market, which means that, um, you know, now it's about your value proposition and how you talk to the customer in order to like try to gobble up as much of that market as possible. Um, and so I think that we've done that, but then we've done that honestly, where I think a lot of brands may try to like pad margins. They'll sell you literally the same swimsuit that, you know, same quality swimsuit that we're selling you for like three times the price. Um, you know, we're not like that. Uh, we we want to get this product in the hands of as many uh, people as possible. And we would rather you spend um, the money on the actual vacation that you're taking than on the swimsuit, right? And so, um, you know, we want to be there for the moments that matter most. And uh, we know that if we give you a great swimsuit, uh, if you, you know, take the picture on Instagram and people comment on it, um, that, you know, you'll, you'll have a favorable um, response to us. And, and, and we trust that. And, and so, so far, so good. Uh, and, and, you know, the customer has, has rewarded us for it. Yeah. And, I have an um, interesting question about influencer marketing. So, mm -hmm. you know, you guys do a, or, you know, com your company does a really good job with navigating that influencer marketing, right? Um, and it's a hard thing for e-commerce businesses. It's it like, sometimes it's a hit or miss, right? With mm -hmm. the way that they're marketing using influencers, but it's also the way to get in front of consumers nowadays. How has it been a challenge for the company? Has it, um, been not as challenging without without sort of like giving out our like influencer strategy i would say that um it's important to find people who are authentic um and people who um really do like your product right like yeah. i genuinely like it because i feel like you can tell the difference between somebody who's being forced to say something, say something. because they're getting yes. paid you know yeah. then something they truly believe in it and they might be getting paid like you know like and and then once we do that we continue to cultivate the relationships with that person um and so i'm when it comes to influencers i'm much more about the the relationship than the transaction, right? I'm the, 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 the quality over the quantity, quantity. of influencers. Um, that's really important to me. Uh, and so with that approach in mind, I think that um, it's probably led to the success because like we, the, the influencers that we do work with can continual basis I mean, are very genuine and they, you know, they, they do have big followings and um, people do trust them and they're not posting from, 
you know, uh, brand A on Monday and brand B on Tuesday and brand C on Wednesday, and they're all competing brands. And you're like, wait a minute, which one do you actually like? like you know, like the, the, there's not none of that confusing message messaging. So um, I think that that's that approach to influencer marketing in general is um, is the way that we kind of go about things. That's amazing. And um, during COVID, right, there wasn't very many people going to the beach maybe at their home pool, but there wasn't that many people going out and doing things, right? And especially mm -hmm. even during the summer. So how did that impact business? And then what happened? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I think COVID was like a master's class for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it was, uh, it was, a it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it really hit us because uh, like probably like every company it exposed weaknesses in your uh in your either your supply chain or your forecasting and it all of the above for us right so um COVID hit other parts of the world before it hit the U.S. and so in January and February we start actually in December like we started to see parts of our supply chain start to like you know have hiccups or slow down and you know, but the demand, you know, when we saw sales, like they were still fine in January and February uh, and even the beginning of March. Um, and then March 13th <laughs> came and I was like, what happened? And uh, that's when the demand in the U.S. sort of like fell. And, you know, so now we had, you know, supply chain issue and a demand issue. And, you know, not going too deep into how we sort of navigated through that, we I was I will say that I anticipated a much longer re like recovery, mm -hmm. uh, a more U shaped recovery, and um, we were I mean there was nobody to call like I couldn't call you know Anton Vincent and say hey how do you deal with a global pandemic you know I couldn't call Tony Rogers yeah. and say hey man what do you think about <laughs> like COVID like what do I do you know so this these were uncharted waters and so you know I, I chose to like err on the side of just being more conservative in our uh, response to um, you know how we planned inventory and things like that um, I was wrong like we we saw a, a more of a v-shaped recovery uh, and um we were like our supply chain had not um, like fully developed uh, again because we weren't producing because I, you know, I, we had um, not placed as many orders. And so we spent the majority of uh, 2020 um, like out of stock with some of our best styles. And so uh, we still had a, a, you know, a year that was, I would say, you know, good com comparatively speaking, but um, you know, we learned a lot. Uh, during that time. And so in 2020, we knew that we weren't going to achieve um, our revenue number that we had thought in 20, when we planned it in 2019. Uh, and so I said, let's not chase that. Um, let's not try to like go crazy trying to chase that. Instead, let's use 2020 as a year to kind of like retool and refocus. And so I focused on, you know, uh, people and processes. And that's when I that's when we started like hiring all of these um, great and amazing folks that we brought into the organization. Um, and then we started like bringing on um, uh, tools and implementing processes to make our working, um, you know, our strategy and our approach to implementing that strategy much more streamlined. 
So uh, 2020, while it started off as an amazing, uh, you know, year from a revenue perspective, uh, it wound up being probably the biggest learning uh, of our, you know, of our young history of the company uh, and probably one of the biggest pivots that we've made. But, um, you know, a, a good one, a really yeah. good one. Yeah. No. Can you share one piece of advice that um, you'd want people who are breaking into the fashion or apparel industry to know? <laughs> It's going to sound cliche, but it, like, don't give up. And the reason I say that is because um, a lot of times people will start um, this thing not really understanding how much money it really takes in order to like prime the engine and get things mm -hmm. going. Uh, and they'll stop right before things start to take off. You have to have enough saved uh, or enough capital to basically fill your the top of your funnel um you know unless you have like the the newest like uh, an iphone type of like transformational product but if, if you're coming to the market with another swimsuit or some leggings or you know something that's already out there um then it's going to take you some time to drive awareness and that costs money and you have to be able to and willing to sustain uh, taking, you know, losses on that return or, um, you know, or breaking even at best on that return for a little while. Um, but just, you know, stay in the game. Like if you feel like you have, if you've done your research and you have product market fit and you've like done, you know, you've given your, your products out to some folks and they give you great feedback and they love it genuinely, um, then it's just going to take you some time to, to find those folks like in the broader marketplace. Um, and once you find them, now, how do you like reactivate them? And so like, you know, setting up your funnel, it just takes time. It takes time and don't give up, you know, don't be discouraged. Uh, like I said, if you've done your research, it, it'll, it'll come to pass. Yeah. So when someone comes to the moment of then what, right. Um, which is basically pivotal turning points in their company. What are some things you think they should be thinking about and what advisors or professionals are important for them to be consulting with? So I think when people come to that point of then what, um, I look at that point as, you know, a, a pivot, right? It's not a, 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 it might be a shifting direction, but it's not an entire change. Because you're pivoting, uh, you know, you're keeping this kind of using a basketball analogy, like one foot stays grounded, the other foot moves. And so that foot that stays grounded is... Uh, the why, why, why did you start this in the first place? Right. And like, why, what is your, what is your company's reason for existing? Like, what is the value or the good that you're bringing to the world? And if your company didn't exist, um, why would that matter? And so if you never lose focus, like if you never lose that, um, then I think you can figure the rest out. Right. And so, you know, if, you know, all, everything falls down, you think back to the why, and then if you have to rebuild, um, you can rebuild. And so I think it's important then to say, um, you know, these are the things that are uncompromising. I'm not going to compromise on these things because this is the why. Um, but these five other things is where I feel like I'm failing. You know, it's, again, that's why it's important to always build a network in the places that you've gone to school and the places that you've worked. And you call those people and you say, you know, hey, Tony Rogers, uh, you know, I'm having a problem uh, with, you know, my overall marketing brand story. Can you help me? Um, 
hey, you know, Kevin Wright, I'm having a problem motivating my team. Um, you know, can you help me? Can you come in or can you give me some some coaching advice? You know, hey, Anton, I have a two month old kid and I don't know what to do. I can't be a good dad and a good leader. Like, what do you like? How do I do that? Um, and so I, I think that um, it's really important, again, to just like stand firm on the why um, then break down the, the, the reasons why you think there might be some challenges and then go out to your network and find the people that can help you address those challenges. How can consumers get in touch with you or the brand or the products in general? Yeah, definitely. Find us on Instagram. We're just like at Cupshe. You can email me. Uh, feel free to email me. Um, Aaron at Cupshe. I, I talked to um, you know, our customers all the time, especially like during COVID, I made some of the, some of like my best friends now during COVID, I, I, I sent a note out, uh, some, like all of our customers, our entire email list. Uh, and I put my email address on it. Uh, and I still talk to some of them, uh, you know, today asking about their families. They send me pictures. I sent them pictures of my daughter. Uh, and so like, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of that going on. And when you build those genuine connections, it's great. So I, I welcome, you know, anybody to, to, to email me. Thank you, Aaron. For Aaron, discovery and learning are at the heart of much of what he does. This brings a cascade of seemingly never-ending then-what moments, each of which offers a new opportunity to rise to the next level and to bring your growing community with you. I'm Lahari Neil Peretti. See you next time. Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ellen Accounting Advisor or Mouth Media Network. No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>